Good afternoon, Eastern Washington and fellow Patriots. This is Matt Shea, and welcome to Patriot Radio, broadcasting live from deep inside the heart of the future Liberty State, brought to you once again by On Fire Ministries in the legacy of Dr. Stan Monteith, bringing you the story behind the story. And the news behind the news is not about right or left. It's about right and wrong. It's about our hope not being in man, but in Jesus Christ, about not ending in prayer, but moving to action. About Zechariah 2.5, but I declare as the Lord will be a wall of fire to her on all sides. That will be the glory in her midst. It's the gospel of the kingdom. That right now in this time, it might get darker. But around his people, it's going to get a lot hotter. Which means there is going to be a fire that spreads throughout the entire world of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I mentioned last show about the church being prepared, being ready, making sure that you understand you could become your own home church. Like the underground church. And I immediately get somebody who's saying, well, we shouldn't be underground. But listen, we underground means discreet for a whole bunch of different reasons right now. Uh, Groups like the uh, Liberty Council, they are very, very concerned about the attacks on Christianity. Uh, and there are out, outright intentional attacks on Christianity, completely ignoring the Constitution, the United States Constitution of Washington State. And I want to go through a couple things. You're going to want to remember these. So Article 1, Section 10, Washington State Constitution, absolute freedom of conscience in all matters of religious sentiment. Article 26 of the Washington State Constitution, perfect toleration of religious sentiment. So if you're a private business, for example, and you have Bible verses up on your wall and maybe a couple of little feet pro-life, and somebody comes in there and complains to you through the Washington State Attorney General, the Washington State Attorney General should dismiss the claim. There shouldn't even be anything that they do because the duty of government is to protect, to defend individual rights, not to interfere with them. And yet, we can see legislation at the federal level setting up a direct attack, a direct assault on private businesses, protected speech, free association. It's not what our country was founded on. And those kind of things are not isolated. And, and they're gonna wanna, they're gonna wanna make you think that it's just you, but it's not just you. So, if something like that's happening to you, contact us here at Patriot Radio. We'd love to get that on the air. We've already had a couple of incidents recently. The state of Washington has a duty, a constitutional duty. To defend individual liberty, not interfere with it. That means protected speech like that in a private business, they have a duty to defend that protected speech. And it doesn't matter if someone is triggered or upset when they walk inside. Go shop somewhere else. That's freedom. The problem is people's own personal tastes, 
they think override the freedom of everybody else, and that's just not the case. And we see this with leftists, and this is what leads to their their entire bent of totalitarian control. That is what leftism is about. It is about controlling everyone. Uh, the Hegelian dialectic or constant conflict to try to get you to move toward their position. I mean, these are all evil. It's evil. It came from Hegel and Marx. Marx clearly a Satanist. You read his poetry. And we're facing this today, and we need to understand that we should not back down one single inch, that religious liberty is the paramount liberty because it is based on the freedom of conscience. And all the constitutions recognize this to one degree or another of the states in the United States, but the Supreme Court's been very clear on this as well. So in this time, they want to attack Churches, ministries, leaders, they want to come after them. And the reason I think that it's just people don't like conflict, so they they don't want to be a part of it. This is all part of brainwashing. It's all part of communist strategy and tactics to try to overthrow this country. I've talked about this many times on the show before, but brainwashing is fairly simple. They try to discredit leaders. They try to uh, get you to shake off your moral foundations and what you know to be true. They try to get you to ignore history. And are you hearing that in the background? So we've got somebody coming on over the uh, airwaves right now on top of uh, the the broadcast, it sounds like. So anyway, teaching revisionist history or or just trying to revise history, make you forget your history or tear down statues, for example, get you to not have a moral truth, but just be all over the place, try to conceal all this stuff, these lies, and also set up a network of informants to inform on other people. We're starting to see that right now, that part of brainwashing again anytime somebody from the left tries to claim that they're on the side of truth we know they're not and we know that they are siding with communists who killed more people in the last century than any other single entity religions included uh and communism is the greatest evil that we know of the second i would say is the jihadists and the globalists over all of that. Now, Davos, Switzerland right now, they're freaking out because they realize people are waking up and we are actually deglobalizing, or at least in that trend right now. So everybody out there in Patriot Radio Land, you're doing a fantastic job. Keep it up. This is a spiritual battle. There is absolute truth in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the truth. He is our theology. He is the solution. And as we return back to him and and he becomes back at the center of our heart, he will be back at the center of our country. And that even during times of great darkness, in fact, especially times of great darkness, that is when Christians are the great light. And that brings us now to your daily intelligence briefing coming to us. 
they're getting ready. Okay. War is coming. And coming to us from Knightsbridge Research, NATO providing heavy weapons to Ukraine. Um, I just want to go through a few of these things. What is a heavy weapon? And, and this was not just um, one country. Uh, they called it the Tullin Pledge, which is referring to the Baltic states, a joint statement from the defense ministers of Estonia, the UK, Poland, Latvia, and Lithuania, and representatives from Denmark, Czech Republic, Netherlands, and Slovakia was released today. The document pledges additional donations and ongoing support for Ukraine. Uh, this includes main battle tanks, infantry fighting vehicles. Now, infantry fighting vehicles are not properly tanks, but most people think of them as mini tanks. They're not properly tanks. They're armored personnel carriers. More of those are coming. Artillery, helicopters, ammunition, air defense systems, anti-armor systems, logistics, funding, and military training. In response to that, Russia is obviously going to ramp that up uh, as far as their recruitment is concerned. The problem is, and I've reported on this for months, and I don't know why people keep missing this. Russia started the war out with 3,300 tanks. They have 300 left. I want you to hear that again. Russia started the war out with 3,300 tanks. They have 300 left in their entire military. So, of course, they got to bring Belarus into it. So use some of their tanks. That means that they are not winning, okay? And I'm not excusing Ukraine, but look at this stuff objectively. Just count the numbers. Russian logistics has traditionally been and is notoriously unreliable. And so that's why they're doing drills right now in Belarus to prepare for this winter offensive. Now, historically, Russia's winter offensives have failed. Their winter defensives have been very successful. Their winter offensives had failed. And so we look again objectively at this situation, and all it tells me is that there's going to be continued expansion of this war as Russia gets more desperate. It's a nuclear power. Again, not excusing anybody on any side, not taking a side, just objectively. Now, there is one point here. There is one point here that we do need to be really clear on. This isn't, again, just about Russia and Ukraine. Now Israel getting ready to do something against Iran, very likely targeted strikes against Iran. Iran is supplying Russia. And so now NATO countries are getting involved with Israel siding against Iran. So there, this is going, this is getting entangled. And as we've talked about this historically, entangled alliances always lead to war. One other interesting note, this is coming to us from various sources on Twitter as well. Um, you can go to OSINT Defender, um, uh, Fatux News. Uh, but what's really interesting is that the Serbian leader came out and said that Russia should stop what it's doing, essentially, and was kind of siding with Europe. Now, this is extremely interesting to me because that's a turn. So Russia was trying to foment something down there in the the Balkans on the border with Kosovo and Serbia, and now it looks like the Serbians are saying, hey, we're, we're going to back off. That is an interesting development. Now, this winter offensive, um, 
looks like it would include a potential push from Transnistria. Now, if you don't even know where Transnistria is, it's on the border of Moldova. It's, uh, it's bounded by a river, and Russian troops have occupied that for a while now. It's right there, though, next to Moldova. And Moldova is thinking that they may try to move from there to cut off Odessa so that they would seal off the Black Sea from Ukraine proper. So again, this clearly, clearly telling us that war continues to come up as a high likelihood starting in the next few months. Now, we're going to move next to a couple of other things. I want to move kind of rapidly through this. And then I'm going to get to something very humorous today. And I hope Travis gets ready to pull that that beautiful picture up there. But the loss of life in Ukraine um, is providing uh, some kind of geostrategic cover for what Chinese is a, you know are about to do against Taiwan. Um, in World War One, World War Two, Soviet doctrines uh, after World War One actually, and during that that uh, fight with the Red Terror versus the White Russians, so it was the Red Russians versus the White Russians, a Red Star and a White Star. As they fought uh, this wave attack mentality. Now this was in World War One before. The communists, but the communists picked this up. They carried it into World War II, and now they're using it again in Ukraine, where they send waves of men, artillery, and tanks, and that results in a massive loss of life. Well, when China decides to invade Taiwan, the Chinese use a very similar tactic. They used it in Korea, and they're planning on using it in Taiwan as well, which means that the loss of life for an invasion of Taiwan could easily be in the millions, and you heard that correctly. So, just from a Christian standpoint, we need to be praying for our Christian brothers and sisters in China, in Taiwan, and in Asia. I mean, they're setting this up that this could this could just be absolutely bloody, absolutely bloody. All right, I want to also highlight something China is doing. Now, this is off of the war subject. China has recently, and this is coming to us from Open Source Intelligence, China has recently proposed a new international law to criminalize the dissemination of false information to the United Nations. Proposals focused on information that could result in serious social disorder. Right? So this is, this is what communists always do. It's what the Biden administration supports. It's what these communist Democrats have supported. Uh, the, the idea of crushing free speech they disagree with because, yeah, it creates disorder against them because they can't take over. That's why they're upset. Well, so China's just kind of following the normal pattern here. All right. I want to go next to the Chinese idea behind fifth generation warfare. I want to talk about that very quick. Um, J. Michael Waller, who is with the Center for Security Policy, uh, had a tweet that was very interesting. It said uh, how the West sick, woke, progressive, post-Christian culture aids Putin's war propaganda. Now, again, some people can get really triggered by that and upset by that because it seems to be taking the side of Ukraine. But that's not what he's doing. What he's saying is 
Don't be a tool of the enemy. Fifth generation war is a battle for the narrative and ideas that will control. And so as the fifth generation warfare heats up, don't buy into narratives. Do the research. Understand the context, especially historically, and and don't aid our enemies. And yes, Russia still is an enemy of the United States. Putin's an old KGB man. Doesn't mean we, we go do a whole bunch of things as a result of that. We just recognize and respect the fact that they are. And don't play into their narrative battle. I'm going to go next to the National Front and Gateway Pundit. The deep state joins Biden's attorney in leaking excuses behind Biden's classified document scandal and criminal actions. I'm just, again, the overview of this is it looks like they have now made the decision to replace Biden. And that we're heading down a road where they could invoke the 25th Amendment. There could be an impeachment, but probably the 25th Amendment because clearly he is incompetent. Um, and when I say that, I mean he is mentally not able to fulfill the duties of the president of the United States. And so it's it seems clear to me that they're setting this up, and it's going to be sooner rather than later. So you're talking the next few months, not the next few years or something like that. It's going to be the next few months. And so we were, as we're looking at this, a couple of things tip off their hand here, what they're doing. First of all, it was his attorneys. Secondly, it was Democrats leaking through sources that normally attack conservatives. And third, they're everywhere. So, I mean, this you can't really escape from it. And then we should be looking for all of the Hunter Biden stuff that now they're admitting is real. Now they're admitting was always real. Now they're admitting was real and they knew it was real and they lied anyway. So because of that, that just tips us off that they have to be doing this. This isn't some conservative coup or something. It's the left. They want to replace, and they want to replace, I believe, because they don't want Biden managing the war when it comes. I would also bring up from the Epoch Times another very interesting thing. You ever notice how the left never truly gets held accountable? So, well, I thought you just said, Matt, that Biden was probably going to, yeah, that's not being held accountable. He gets replaced and then he gets pardoned, okay? Just like happened with Richard Nixon in their first attempt at bringing down the United States when they wanted to do it on the 200th anniversary in 1976. And now they're going for the 250th anniversary in 2026. So they never really truly get held accountable. And this... Epoch Times brings this up, and I I think everybody needs to know about it. There's a new Supreme Court report that fails to identify the leaker of the Roe versus Wade draft opinion. So the Supreme Court released a report stating that after a months-long internal investigation, the leaker of a draft opinion overturning Roe versus Wade last year could not be identified. Shocker! Shocking. Now... It's up to us at the state and local level to start holding these people accountable. And it's already happening. 
So right now, for example, you have BlackRock and Larry Fink and states right now. And I, I'm going to read the list off, I think, here, Travis. Um, you probably don't have this, but I'm going to read this list off of the states that have weighed in to hold organizations like BlackRock accountable. Now, if you don't know what BlackRock is or who Larry Fink is, he's at the World Economic Forum. And a very uh, unashamed globalist who, I mean, he clearly, clearly wants to see a one-world economic system and to try to control everything else. And I'm trying to be as diplomatic as I possibly can. And people are like, why, why do you want to be diplomatic? Well, it's not just to be diplomatic for the sake of it. I just want to get to the main point here. That states are the solution. States are the solution. So let's take a look at this here. And I want to read these to you, all right? Now... States have divested, that means they have taken investments out of BlackRock in the billions. West Virginia, Kentucky, Oklahoma, Texas, South Carolina, North Carolina, Utah, Arkansas, Louisiana, Arizona, Idaho, North Dakota, and Missouri. All have divested. That's a way to hold these people accountable. With money, it's a way to hold them accountable by doing investigations and actually prosecuting them. But this has to start happening. And that has us jump back out to the international front. And this coming to us from Western Journal. But the timing could not be clear. So Wasinda Ardern goes to Davos, Switzerland. And then just announces yesterday that she is resigning as Prime Minister of New Zealand. Now, uh, for our good friends in New Zealand, I, a couple of them already sent me cheering about that. But you got to ask yourself, why are they replacing her right now? Because clearly she was told she needed to step down early. She does it. Clearly she is one of their protégés, um, a very vulgar, vile person who, uh, during the COVID pandemic attacked the individual liberties of New Zealanders, Kiwis, brutally and was clearly a new world order puppet. Why would she step down right now? That's the question we got to ask ourselves. So with that, it again tells me something is coming because you see these leadership positions being Shifted. Now, a couple of things to look for in the next two weeks. If you see the Chinese slowing down certain things in their economy, if you see like we saw with Ukraine where all of a sudden a bunch of billionaires start flying out of the country or out of the region, if you see where exports start to slow down dramatically, it's Tipping us off that, again, this is getting closer and closer. I don't believe it's going to happen next week or something. But I do believe it's going to happen soon. 
And at least the triggers are going to start like a blockade of Taiwan. So just keep your eyes peeled on this because what that means is disruption in America. All right. And that brings us to the local front. Holy Spirit Comforter Conference has begun. It began this morning with the 10 o'clock breakfast. Uh, it was fantastic, actually. And this evening, 7 o'clock, 6.30, the doors open. Dr. Emmanuel Ziga and his Holy Spirit Comforter Conference, he's got a whole bunch of great guest speakers. Tomorrow morning, uh, Cal Pierce is going to be there. I believe it starts at 10 o'clock in the morning. So come tonight, 6.30 p.m., down at the Spokane Convention Center. We're on the west side. On the west side, room 111. So come on down and get prayed over, get ministered to. Uh, it's always a great time to be in fellowship with each other. Also coming up, the 17th and 18th of February, the Circuit Rider is going to be here in Spokane, the venue to be announced. But that should be starting in the evening. I think it's tentatively right now, 6 o'clock, but there's going to be more details coming forward soon. And the Circuit Riders uh, is part of YWAM, or at least a... a connection to YWAM and uh, very much focused on youth and young adults, although everybody, all ages can come, but very much focused on worship and revival for that age. And then last but not least, and Travis, if you can make sure you pull this up because it's right there, it's National Popcorn Day, apparently. Travis, I don't know about you, but I'm a huge fan of popcorn. I love it. It is National Popcorn Day. It should be National Popcorn Day every day. Can I get an amen, hallelujah, from all the popcorn fans out there? All right. National Popcorn Day today. <laughs> I, lo- I love that because it- that's kind of how I eat popcorn. You see that, Travis? Yeah, amen. And that's a briefing. Remember, the antidote to dependency and socialism is to be a God-fearing, self-reliant, freedom-loving American. Thank you to everybody that has been praying for us. Make sure you go. To Gab, MeWe, Getter, USA Social. We're, we're on everything. So you can always, if you can't find the link on Podbean for some reason, you can always find it on these other social media sites as well. You can also find us on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, and Amazon. And we are being very diligent now. I think we've got the system worked out where we can get posted within the day. So if you're driving truck across the United States, we are going to be posted very quickly after the normal live broadcast. Now, there are a couple of sponsors that you need to know about. And they don't necessarily sponsor. We I, That's the wrong word. We, we partner, and they are great sources for news like Epoch Times. I read Epoch.com. You can go there, use promo code Patriot Radio. And you get to support two great causes, and you get to save money, too, on top of that. That's fantastic. Also, Dr. Jason Dean. And if you're into nutrition, uh, we should be. We should take care of the, the temple of the Holy Spirit, the body that God has given us. We should take care of it. You can go to bravetv.store slash patriot radio, bravetv.store slash patriot radio, and it's a great source if you're looking at improving your health. All right. Once again, I'm very happy to have Selwyn Duke on the radio show with us today. Writer for the New American, The Hill, The Observer, The American Conservative, World Net Daily, The American Thinker, and many, many others. Selwyn Duke has been writing about many issues for years, but particularly the issues that make you think. So, Selwyn, it's great to have you back on Patriot Radio today. How are you doing, my friend? 
Okay. Well, I'm going to continue then. There we go. All right, we're on. Fantastic. Someone, can you hear me now? Okay. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? All right. I can hear you too. How are you doing today? Not bad. Not bad. I'm still alive. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing all right. It seems like we're... Maybe it's trite, I don't know, but it seems like we're living like decades and days right now. I don't know. Um, I don't know how you feel about it, but man, I I just, I'm looking around and wow, where do you start? So if you could give your take on what's happening right now, just generally in the world, what's kind of standing out to you, and then we'll get to the topic we want to talk about today. Okay, yeah, well, what stands out to me, Matt, is this moral decay that we've been experiencing for a very long time, of course. You see this all over the Western world. The fact that people don't believe in truth anymore. They're awash in moral relativism. And I was going to talk about this with respect to the topic that's at issue. But if you embrace moral relativism, the idea that what we call morality is really just a social construct, it's created by man. In other words, reality properly, I mean morality, excuse me, properly understood doesn't really exist then you set the stage for great evil to occur because rape, kill, steal, hey, why not? Who's to say it's wrong? It's whatever works for you. So our moral decay and how relativism relates to that is something that I've been writing about on a regular basis for decades now. And let's talk a little bit about it. You know, um, many people have written about this. I think Brandon House had had a video series out on this, but it was really kind of consolidating everything that had been learned back in the 1950s and 60s about brainwashing. Part of brainwashing, I think it's the third or fourth step of brainwashing, is to shake the foundations of people and unmoor them from moral truth. And so as we see people trying to teach moral relativism, there's really a, a greater purpose to it. It's not just to, oh, do whatever you want to. There's really a purpose of control behind it. So if you could speak a little bit to the degradation morally of not just the United States, but but the whole world and, and how you see right now that affecting particularly the next generation. Yeah, well, touching on what you just said, I mean, obviously, you know, Emile Kamert said, the Belgian playwright, that when people cease to believe in God, it's not that they start to believe in nothing, it's that they'll believe in anything. And the truth is, is that if you unmoor people from truth, from moral reality, then of course they become empty vessels who you can fill with whatever you wish. You can try to reshape them in your own image. So yes, that's very, very significant. And of course, that's what big, powerful, intrusive governments want, because if people recognize God and his law, then obviously when man's law conflicts with that, people are going to say, wait a second, we have respect for legitimate temporal authority, but when it conflicts with the ultimate law, no, you know which way we're going to go. And of course, tyrants don't want that. Autocrats don't want that. They want their law to be supreme. They want to be people's highest power. So that's why you can see that the church has always been the ultimate, the main competitor of big government. That's why Stalin tried to destroy the church. That's why the Nazis, unbeknownst to many people, Matt, tried to destroy the church. And that's why you see this attack upon Christianity today. There is no doubt about it. You know, we we just had uh, an incident here in Spokane, actually, where, uh, you know, you have a private business, they have some Bible verses up on the wall, and somebody walks in and is triggered and, and files a complaint with the attorney general. Instead of the attorney general dismissing it, 
They actually send a letter requesting a response. I mean, that's protected speech, but yet it, it seems like that we're, we're arguing over basic principles now that we're, we're not even really a country anymore if we can't agree on those basic things like freedom of speech, freedom of association, freedom of religion. Yeah, well, okay, and this, again, corresponds to what we were just talking about, because if you think about it, you see, look, how are people going to be truly united, man? How are they going to truly be on the same page? Well, the only way they can be on the same page is if they recognize truth's existence and they agree on what the truth is, okay? The truth can unite people. Of course, tyranny can unite people, too, but in the wrong way. But when people descend into moral relativism, what happens is, of course, they embrace the idea, well, it's whatever works for you. I mean, after all, if you don't have the truth to use as your moral yardstick to make decisions, what do you have left to use as that yardstick? The most compelling thing you have left would be your emotions. And by the way, it's interesting because I'd been saying this for years. Then I discovered a 2002 Barna Group research company study that vindicated what I'd been saying. And the study was titled, Americans most likely to base truth on feelings. And basically what they said was even back then, only 6% of teenagers believed in truth, which is objective by definition. And the method that most people use to make decisions was using emotion. So that's it. But you see, this is why this causes disunity. Once you're just going by your emotions, let's face it, there's one truth. If everyone recognizes that they can be united, but everyone has different emotions. So when people go by their feelings, well, everyone's going to start walking to the beat of a different drummer. And that's what you're seeing today. That's one reason why we're so disunited. I mean, of course, the Internet plays a role as well, entertainment in general. But it's so, so significant. What is going to bring people together? And here's what should really scare you. Obviously, anarchy, which is what we're moving towards, is not a permanent state of affairs. And right. it's not something people are going to accept. So if people are not united via truth, via God, how are they going to be united? Well, what's going to happen is that tyranny is going to step into the breach to hold people together. That's what's going to happen if we don't right the moral ship. You know, as one of the founders said, if people are not governed from the inside by Jesus Christ, they'll be governed from the outside by totalitarianism. I'm paraphrasing now. Yeah. And I think that that's the, the issue of force is what's going to bring us to the next topic. You know, when you have people that have no morals, in fact, they're almost conditioned to be immoral. They begin to then use force to do whatever they want to do. And you have, for example, an uptick in violence in society. But particularly in the next generation, you see murders. And this is this isn't something that's just unique to the United States. This has happened all over the world that when you lose that moral foundation, psychosis actually begins to set in. So I'd like you to comment on that and, and what you've been writing about on that issue specifically in the last few weeks. It's very interesting you should put it that way, that psychosis starts to set in because I've long had a theory of sociopathy and psychopathy, sociopathy, I guess, in particular, that's more of a philosophy-oriented theory. And I'm going to have to make it brief, but basically a lot of people will say, well, this could be inborn to some degree. And what I point out is, well, when you're sociopathic, basically you don't have a conscience, right? right. Well, if you think about it, if you didn't believe in truth at all, 
Now, you'd have to conclude logically there really is no right and wrong. There, it's just a social construct. And then, of course, what's the logical conclusion there? Well, there's no reason to feel bad about anything because nothing can be wrong. And if you think about it, Matt, most people are sociopathic in certain respects. Like they might feel that certain things are wrong, maybe stealing, whatever, rape, what have you. But then other things that are wrong, they might not recognize as being wrong. So you might say, with respect to those particular issues, they're sociopathic. Now, they could be sociopathic with respect to three issues or four or seven. But if they're sociopathic with respect to all the moral issues, then what do we say? We say they're sociopaths. But maybe it's just an extreme version of a problem that plagues most everyone or many people at least. But, yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. Yeah. What was your other question? I'm sorry, because well, that's well, my mind. No, <laughs> that's I was okay. expounding let's, upon that. <laughs> let's talk about the next generation. I mean, we're, we're seeing kids indoctrinated. They're conditioned, psychologically conditioned, to not really have a conscience about people dying in front of them. Psychologically conditioned not to really be upset if somebody gets hurt or, or somebody, uh, you know, they steal from somebody or somebody loses something. They're not really conditioned to have that conscience that hey that's wrong they're actually conditioned in the other direction and so now we see rashes of shootings in schools and we see preteens even now falling into this amoral yeah. immoral trap yeah and of course during the last couple of weeks you referenced this i wrote about that a girl who was 12 who stabbed her nine-year-old brother to death and this 10-year-old boy who shot his mother to death because she wouldn't buy him some electronic device. I mean, it's just unbelievable. There was another instance as well. But, you know, it's very, very interesting because let's follow this out now logically. I was talking about how when you don't believe in truth, when you're disconnected from moral reality, and that's what we should call it, the most compelling yardstick you have left for making decisions is emotion. Okay. Now, then you have to ask, how are kids' emotions today being shaped and what is shaping them? Well, entertainment is. All the violence we see, there are relativistic messages too, there's gratuitous sexuality, I mean, you name it. And this is very, very destructive. And let me just preface my remarks by saying it's hard to address this with people, Matt, because we all tend to have an affinity for the things that we grew up with. And we tend to instinctively defend them, the entertainment and whatnot. But I had to realize at one point in my life that many of the things that I grew up with, and I'm going back decades now, I'm going back to the 1970s, weren't exactly wholesome. I mean, there were problems with them as well. Okay, so we have to be able to look at our own generation and our own generation's norms critically, not just at those of the younger generations, which, of course, it's easy to do. It's always easy to cast aspersions upon others. Now, <clears throat> There was a study done in the 1990s that found, examining television and its influence, Matt, that it doesn't matter what part of the world you're talking about, 15 years after television was introduced, crime rose precipitously. Precipitously. Now, why 15 years? Because that's the amount of time that it takes to wean one generation on violent television fare. After 15 years, not only have the kids grown up on that, but now they've entered the peak crime commission years, you know, the mid-teens through the 20s, let's say. That's why that's significant. Now, just to buttress what I just articulated, in South Africa, television was outlawed until 1975 for internal security reasons. And until that point, 
crime in South Africa was a lot lower than it was in other countries with similar demographics. But then they legalized TV, and sure enough, within 15 years, the crime rate shot way up. And you can just see this all, all over the world. And a lot of people, again, don't like how it sounds because they don't like what it implies, maybe. But the truth is, is television has a tremendous influence. Video games have a tremendous influence. The Internet does, of course. Because if you expose people to violence, to sexuality on a continual basis, it's garbage in, garbage out. I mean, that's the way it works, right? That's right. And the other, I mean, we saw this in the summer of 2020. We saw this happen where, you know, streets are ablaze in America. And now, I mean, it's weird. It's not weird to me because I understand what they're doing. They act like it never happened. And yet it did happen. And there was widespread rioting and looting and death. And they say, well, it's justified if it's for a good cause. Well, that that's that's Machiavellian in in the politest terms. And so as as we have a generation that is becoming more Machiavellian, uh, the ends justify the means and we don't really care who stands in our way. Uh, this just seems like it's trending toward conflict, not just at the local level, but this trending toward conflict in the world. Well, it is. It is. You know, I've long written that there is a rule in life. If people cannot talk things out, they're left to fight things out. And those who cannot be reasoned with can only be fought. And that's relevant here because, you see, if you don't believe in truth, there's no truth to search for. If you and I, Matt, have a disagreement and we both agree, believe in truth as we do, we could say, OK, well, let's find out where the truth lies. Let's talk it out. And yeah. maybe I'll find out that I'm wrong. Maybe you'll find out that you're wrong. Maybe we'll both find out that we're somewhat wrong and we'll try to unite around the truth. But if you don't have that truth, then once again, there's nothing to seek above yourself. All you have are your feelings telling you what you want. All you have is that will to power. And that's why I said, if people cannot talk things out, they're left to fight things out. And yes, absolutely. That's what you're seeing. You know, it's interesting. I was being interviewed a while back and we were talking about relativism and I was talking about how it characterizes the left. You know, I've long said, and this is absolutely true, I know it like I know the back of my hand. If you could somehow purge moral relativism from this society, Matt, leftism would go right out the window because it cannot yep. exist in a universe in which truth is recognized and sought after. Okay, but this interviewer asked me, but wait a second, wait a second. You're saying that relativism characterizes the left, but they're not relativistic about things at all. They're very absolute. They're very, very dogmatic. And that's absolutely true. But there's a good reason for that. See, a lot of people think that when you embrace relativism completely and totally, you might become the kind of person who says, oh, yeah, man, whatever works for you. You know, no, it's not like that. The ultimate result of embracing relativism and having it permeate your soul is to make everything relative to oneself. You know, then it comes down to what occultist Lester Crowley said, his formulation, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. If you believe that everything is relative and that really there's no right or wrong, well, then why not try to impose your will on others? Why not play God yourself and say, all these defiant little beings down there are defying my deified will. And I don't like that. My will be done and I'm going to make sure it's done, even if I have to use force and that's the kind of mentality we're seeing exhibited more and more. 
We are. And in, you know, local organizations, even here in Spokane, you know, to national organizations, they believe that I'll do whatever makes me feel good. I really don't care how you feel and whatever happens after that. And so you get absolute barbarism like the transgender movement right now where people are being mutilated. And we're talking people that are under the age of 12, really? And we also have this discussion over things that, I mean, are they're immutable. But to some of these people, they're not. They're literally trying to create their own reality like the idea that a man is a man and a woman is a woman uh, because one has a Y chromosome and the other doesn't, you know. How do we approach the conversation even in this vein? There is some, and I will say, and we have to be critical about all generations, there is some of the the younger generation right now that know that something's wrong and they're returning to the truth and they're searching for morality. But how do we have that conversation with our friends, our neighbors, their children? How do we have these conversations when it seems like we can't even agree that truth exists? Well, that's the problem. That's what it comes down to. I mean, people have to come to understand that it does exist. That's very, very important because, again, what Kamert said, if you don't believe in God, you can believe in anything. So, yes, we have to do that. And we have to disabuse people of a number of false suppositions. One of them is this idea that you should be tolerant. Tolerance is terribly, terribly misunderstood. You know, G.K. Chesterton, a brilliant man, he said, tolerance is the virtue of the man without convictions. And unfortunately, tolerance is terribly misunderstood, Matt. What you have to realize is that tolerance always, always, always implies the abiding of a negative. Okay, for example, I would not have to tolerate a delectable meal or a brand spanking new car or a fine painting. I relish those things. But I would have to tolerate a terrible cold or foul weather. You see, so anytime you say that you're tolerating something or you're being tolerant, it means there's a perceived negative there. Okay, now what's the lesson here aside from that? The lesson is, is that tolerance is only virtuous in a couple of situations. One situation is when the perceived negative is not actually a negative, okay? Let's say I'm a guest at someone's home and he serves me a vegetable I don't like, but I don't want to offend him and I know it's good for me, so I eat it anyway. I tolerate it, okay? Mm -hmm. That's not an objective negative, the vegetable. The other situation is when it is an objective negative, but there's nothing you can do about it. So if I have a bad cold, it's not virtuous if I whine like a baby. If I keep a stiff upper lip, that's more noble, okay? But if you're talking about an objective negative that can be eliminated, the only virtue lies in wiping it out. Okay, understand that. So when we're talking about these evils in society, we're supposed to try to eliminate them. That's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to tolerate them. Now, let's talk about so-called transgenderism, which I call the must agenda, made up sexual status, not transgenderism, because there's no such thing. Transgenderism is not a scientific designation. Yeah, it's a political designation. The must agenda. People who are genuinely suffering with so-called gender dysphoria, as long as they're trying to bear their cross nobly and they want help, they deserve nothing but compassion. But if people are out there trying to change society and make kids and others believe that the abnormal is normal, that it's just another lifestyle choice, then they become enemies of the civilization. 
and they absolutely have to be defeated. And people like that deserve no compassion within that particular context whatsoever, whatsoever. So understand that distinction. I mean, I remember years ago, I read this fellow online in a comment section. He was talking about the gender dysphoria he was experiencing, and he was not an activist. He said, look, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. Someone like that deserves compassion. But when you start harming society, that's when it's all hands on deck and man the battle stations. And that's the attitude we have to have. Stop being tolerant. We're awash in phony tolerance. I love how you put that phony tolerance because that's exactly what it is. We should be fighting for those things that are good, that are right. And in those people that are trying to destroy civilization, do we not owe love to the next generation to continue freedom and liberty? I mean, that's just, I, I, I thought that was a basic thing, but I want to shift to this. We see inside the church today, and it probably one of the greatest defenders where it, it's the loving thing to be tolerant. It's the, Loving thing. And, and so when you sound like a hater, I can't believe it. You must hate these people. It, it, it's just horrible what you're saying. And, and we just need to just love, love, love. Now, as a pastor, I've had to address this issue very directly with many people. And it's interesting to look on the face of the people that I try to direct this with and say, listen, isn't it love to obey God's commands? Because that's actually what scripture says. And, well, I've never read that. Well, you probably need to. Where where can we find maybe that gap, especially in the church, to have this discussion of the abuse of the word love? And, and there's a great book written about the abuse of language is the abuse of power by Joseph Piper. Everybody should read that. But right on that, it's language. The, the, the language of love, the word love being abused is really, I think, at the center of this entire conversation. So can you address that? Oh, absolutely. I'd love to. Listen, I absolutely know what you're talking about. I can't tell you how many times I've sat in pews and heard the preachers saying, love, 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 without specifying. That doesn't mean anything. We need specificity. What is loving behavior? Now, you talked about how people will demonize you when you talk as I have. They'll say, oh, you're a hater. Okay, you do have to grab people on an emotional level. So how's this? You do it with truth. Remember that real kids are being mutilated and hurt for life by this destructive must agenda. There's nothing loving about that. There's one kid I wrote about. He's in his 20s now, years ago. His name is Nathaniel. They withheld his last name for privacy reasons. But he had bottom surgery, surgery on his private areas, when he turned 18 years old because he got drawn into this mus agenda. Just months later, he regretted it, and he called it a Frankenstein procedure. He said, I feel as if I've ruined my life, quote, unquote. And he's just one of so, so many. We're taking these kids, we're seducing them into this terrible lie and so many others, and then we're hurting them. There are doctors out there who do this just because they want to make money. There's big money in mutilating these children. And there's nothing loving about that. So you want to be loving, show some love for these kids. And remember, sometimes the loving thing is to urge people away from what they want. What kids especially want is not always what they need, is not always what they should have. Just because little Johnny says, oh, I feel like a girl, doesn't mean you put him in a dress. That's not the best thing for him. You know, as the song says, you have to be cruel to be kind in the right measure. You know that song? <laughs> so the truth is, 
There's self-love and there's tough love. And you've got to exhibit the tough love as well. And Jesus did that, didn't he? I mean, we saw that he overturned the tables in the temple. I mean, he wasn't soft and cushy all the time and tolerant of anything and everything. No, he would put his foot down. So what would Jesus do? People like to ask, you want to emulate Jesus? That's part of who he was and is. He would exhibit tough love as well as soft love. And if you're missing either, it's not complete love. Yes, Jesus was not tolerant of sin, but he is good and he is loving. Now, we have two minutes left. So, and I would like you to, I presume you're not in Davos, Switzerland, I presume. Uh, I would like you, however, to go ahead and weigh in on the World Economic Forum and what was going on over there, and then also where people can go to get more information and read your articles. Oh, Davos. Yes, it's interesting because I saw yesterday that John Kerry, Lurch himself, was giving a speech and he actually said to all these pseudo elites, as I call them, what we're doing here, he was talking about trying to save the world, seems extraterrestrial. And I said, hmm, that's an interesting comment. What does that imply? That implies to me that he feels like some superior, highly intelligent alien being who has to swoop down on us poor unfortunates here on terra firma and save us from ourselves because we're just too stupid, we're too lost to find the right way. So these people have to control our lives from soup to nuts for our own good. That's the message I got there. And as far as finding my work, basically just about all of it is at my website, selwynduke.com. And I'm at the newamerican.com. I write there all the time. I'm also elsewhere on the internet. I try to be everywhere. Not like God. I'm not him. I'm not John Kerry. I don't think I can deify myself, but I am widely found on the internet. Thank you so much, Selwyn Duke, for your articulation of morals that are actually grounded in truth. And I really appreciate it. It's always a great conversation with you. God bless you. Thanks for being on Patriot Radio and keep up the fight. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. And God bless you and your audience. Thank you. SelwynDuke.com, SelwynDuke.com, writer for The New American. And uh, check out the, a couple of the mo- most recent articles he has written because it gets into this idea of, hey, there is absolute truth. And a lot of people are going back to it now because they're seeing what's happening in the world. But also the unveiling of what is actually coming against us. And that is an attempt to get us unmoored from the foundation of Jesus Christ so that they can control us. That is the whole point behind it. Unmoor people from their history and who they are, unmoor them from their identity and who they are, unmoor them from their gender and who they are, unmoor them from the absolute truths that exist on this earth, unmoor them from morality, and then they become easier to control. That is the whole agenda of brainwashing. And if you've never read any about that, You can uh, check out some of the stuff that Brandon House has done. Others have done work on this. But you can also go watch some old videos of Yuri Bezminov, who was one of the probably the most important defectors to the United States from the former Soviet Union. Uh, He was a member of Izvestia, which is the disinformation arm of the KGB. And he talked about how the communist plan was to unmoor people from reality. And in fact, Karl Marx wrote in chapter two of the Communist Manifesto that he wanted to abolish the family, abolish nations and borders, abolish private property and abolish all religion and morality and truth. 
And that is what they've set about to do. And so what is the solution? The solution is speaking truth in love every single place we go. Being totally unashamed, never backing down when somebody tries to uh, make a statement that is absolutely ridiculous, untrue, false, trying to undermine our society. We stand right at that moment. And if we all do that, standing right at that moment, this agenda gets pushed into the ash heap of history where it belongs. And right now is the time for this to happen because God wants his light to shine throughout this entire land. And the way that light shines is through words. And he is the word. He is the way. He is the life. And His words coming through us can do nothing else but turn things to good, destroy falsehood, and stop the agenda of the enemy. This is Matt Shea. Thank you so much for joining me on Patriot Radio today. May God bless all of you. And he is making this generation the greatest one. Keep up the fight.